Praise God. Well, I'm going to continue my series today that I started a couple of weeks ago called The Lord is My Shepherd. And, um, but I want to read this passage here first in John 10, 14. Um, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And Jesus made it clear to us in the Bible that not only is he a shepherd, he's a good shepherd. So that's important for us to know that, that Jesus is a good shepherd. David describes what this shepherd looks like in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And I, I love that passage of scripture there, and that is a beautiful picture of Jesus as our shepherd. And in this series, I'm trying to really communicate and reinforce this one simple truth that Jesus is all we need. That's our, in a world that has so much, that is striving for so many things, Jesus is all we need. And um, so the Bible, the Bible gives us the assurance that Jesus is all we need. And, you know, our job as a Christian is, get, is to get to a place in our life where we trust him for everything that we need. In other words, we, we know that he is all that we need, but I have to place myself in a position in my life where I, let, I begin to tell the Lord, you are, you are all that I need. In Psalm 27, 1, David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, when the Lord is our source, when we are really truly dependent on the Lord for everything, what do we have to be afraid of? This, these viruses that are coming up, the the, the different things that are happening in our world with inflation and all the uncertainties with the stock market, with real estate, with jobs, and, and, and on and on and on and on. When Jesus is our shepherd, what do I have to be afraid of? I shall not fear, the Bible says. Whom, whom shall I fear? So really the question we have to ask ourselves is not is he all we need. We have to ask ourselves, is Jesus enough? Or is he enough? Once we find Jesus Christ, is he enough for us? Or am I still not content? Because if I'm not, then there's a, there's a problem with the relationship when, 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 there's, when there's a disconnect that Jesus Christ is not meeting, meeting all my needs. See, when we, when we come to this truth that he is enough, it is then we'll begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those different things will become evident in our lives when Jesus is, is our shepherd. So um, the, the Bible gives, and I said this two weeks ago when I began this series, um, it gives compound names of the Lord. And in the, in the Hebrew, when the, book, when the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and, in Hebrew and Greek, Greek primarily in the New Testament, we've obviously translated the Hebrew and Greek, and thank you, Jesus, that we did, because I don't think I could ever really learn Hebrew. But someone took the time to translate that into English where we could read it. So the English name we speak, Lord, is the Hebrew name in the Old Testament, which is Jehovah, or Yahweh is the name. So it's Jehovah. 
So there's a lot of places in the Old Testament where the Bible gives compound names of Jehovah. And what that does is it gives us a deeper meaning or a deeper understanding of who God really is. And many times it was given in places or events where someone in the Old Testament experienced God in a certain way that maybe they've never experienced him in before. And after going through that experience, they named that place as a, as a remembrance or as a memorial. They, they named it that name that, they, that gave Jehovah that compound name. And so we, we've already looked at two. We're going to look at another one here this morning. But the ones we've already covered, the first one was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, and, or, or the Lord will provide. And I love that. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh is your provider. Je- Jesus is your provider. The, the Lord is our provider. So it doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account, how smart you are at your job, and all those different things. God, God is your provider. Je- Jehovah, Jehovah is, is all you need. So um, as Christians, we need to acknowledge that God is our provider, that he's our source. And, and, and sometimes, even as believers, we can get a little prideful. You know, God can begin to bless us. We, we begin to maybe get, get, you know, get advancements in our job. We begin to get promotions, and we move up. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, I don't really need God anymore. I, I kind of got, got, got this thing going on myself. No, God is the reason why you got that promotion. God is the reason why you got that job. God is the reason why you even have the ability to work. And to learn. And these hands that he gave you to, to mend things and build things and the mind to retain and all those different things. It's all God. So when we say Jehovah Jireh, we are recognizing and confessing that he is all, he, he's our source. Jehovah, Jehovah is, our, is our source of, of, all, of all that we need. And that, that name, Jehovah Jireh, is taken from the Old Testament story. I'm not going to preach it again, but this is the first when I preached, when I began the series, it's taken from the Old Testament story of Abraham. And if you go back and read the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have, that they would be, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. But Abraham and Sarah didn't have a son. They didn't have any children. Yet God promised them that you will be a father. You will have a child. You will have a son. And God indeed did meet his promise. And Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And after Isaac was born, the Lord told Abraham to take your son Isaac and go up and, and sacrifice him to the Lord. Didn't make any sense, but Abraham, Abraham did that. And if you read the story, Abraham was there. He had the knife. He had the knife raised. Isaac was strapped to the, to the altar, and, and uh, the, the knife was raised, the Bible says. And Abraham was ready to drop the knife and sacrifice his son. And just as he was ready to lower the knife, Abraham looked. And the Bible says there in the thicket was a ram. There, there was a ram. And Abraham understood right there that God had provided a substitute to die in his, the place of his son. And that's where Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Or the Lord has provided. The Lord has provided a sacrifice for us. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our substitute. He we, we should have been the ones that were dying on the cross, not him. The, the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It was an exchange. We should have been the ones that suffered. But the Bible said that Christ, because, because God so loved the world, that, that Jesus died for us, the Bible says. So the, the one we covered last week was, was Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And... Um, when we look at Jehovah Jireh, we think of the Lord as being our provider. 
when we look at Jehovah Nisi as the Lord, our banner, we think of the Lord as being our protector. He's your, he, he's your protector. And this is taken from the Old Testament story in Exodus when the nation of Israel had left Egyptian bondage. They were in the wilderness, the Bible says, and the Amalekites came out to attack them. And there was no doubt the Israelites were outmanned and outnumbered. And they, they had just left Egypt as slaves. And here they were, they were in a battlefield, and Moses told Joshua to go down to the battlefield and begin to fight the Amalekites and Moses, and I'm going to stand up on this hill, and I'm going to raise this staff to God. And, I'm, and, and, uh, and, and as Moses did that, the Bible says, as Moses lifted up his hands to the Lord, the Israelites were defeating the Amalekites. But the Bible says as soon as Moses' hands grew tired, he'd have to drop his hands. Guess what happened? The Amalekites were getting the upper hand. So Aaron and Hur came besides Moses on each side, and they put a stone, and Moses sat on a stone, one sat on each side, and they, they held up his arm. Moses was there, and Moses held up the, the staff before the Lord, and, and the Bible says that the Israelites defeated the Amalekites, and Moses understood that it was because Moses was honoring God that the Israelites were, not because of the physical battle happening on the field, Joshua had to fight the physical battle, but Moses was raising a banner to God. So he named that place Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Well, who's our banner? His name is Jesus. That's the banner I'll lift up. Jesus is my Savior. He's my salvation. He's my friend. He's everything to me. So when we say raise a banner, I'm raising the banner of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is my defender. He's my protector. He's all of those things. Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. He, 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 he's your banner. So Really, in all of these things, we're going to see, we'll, we'll see Jesus in all of these different things. Um, but today's message is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And um, really, this is probably one of the most encouraging names of all. All of them are encouraging, but I believe this one, to me personally, provides the most, provides the most uh, comfort. And, you know, um, the, the world has done a good job of, distort, of distorting and deceiving the truth about what the Bible says. I've said this a million times. It's amazing how many people will come up to me and say something, or you hear someone say something about the Bible that they've heard from someone else, but they've never read it themselves. And I'm hearing them talking. I'm thinking to myself, I've read the Bible before, and what you're telling me is not in the Bible. I've never heard that before. But they, they are ignorant, not stupid. They're ignorant because they have never themselves read the Bible for what, for what they've gone by hearsay on what someone else has told them. And y'all have probably heard people say some of these things. Maybe you've said these things before, that God is the man upstairs, that God is keeping a record of everything I do wrong, that God hates sinners. That's the big push with the left. And the, the whole liberal movement in our country is that, that if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus and you read the Bible, you hate sinners, when I read the Bible, the only thing I find Jesus doing with sinners is loving the sinners. He was eating with the sinners. He was touching the sinners. He was, he was loving the sinners, hugging the sinners, doing all of those things. So much in such a way, they had no clue that he was God. So I don't see where that's in the Bible. And this is one I've heard a lot. If I go to church, the ceiling's going to fall in. Well, the ceiling ain't going to fall in, but we're going to shout, we're going to jump, and we're going to get excited and maybe when we get all excited, the ceiling might start falling in. But it ain't going to fall in because God doesn't want you there. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. That's why he came. If, if all of us were doing okay, Jesus would have never had to come. We needed a rescue. 
we needed a physician. We, we, needed, we, need, we needed a Savior, and his name is Jesus. But, you know, if you look at these sayings, uh, all these different things I just said on the surface, they may seem like harmless sayings, but deep down they have distorted the truth of what the Word of God says and what the Word says about our Son. So it's important for us to understand what the Bible says about who we are and about, and about who God is. So um, Jehovah Shammah is the name, and this one's a little different than, than Jireh and Nisi in the sense that it wasn't given as a memorial for an event, but it was given as it was given in a vision that the Lord had given to the prophet Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel. And um, in the vision that God had given Ezekiel, the, the nation of Israel had been led captive into Babylon. We, if you read the Old Testament, time and time again, God had told the nation of Israel that if you continue to disobey me, if you continue to reject me, that you are going to be sent off as, into a foreign land and I'm going to and I'm going to and I'm going to remove you from from my presence. And over and over again that God would send the prophets, God would send the judges, and they would still reject the Lord. So, so Babylon, they were in Babylon in captivity for 25 years, and the Lord had given Ezekiel a vision that God would, in spite of Israel's rebellion, and in spite of Israel's sin, that God would still bring them back to their city and restore, and restore their land. And, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's in Ezekiel in 48:35. It says the distance around the entire city, and this was measurements that the Lord was giving Ezekiel of a city. It says the distance around the entire city will be six miles. And from that day, the name of the city will be the Lord is there. So God was prophesying to the, to, through Ezekiel that in spite of Israel's sin, that God had not forgotten them, that, that God was still going to bring them back. And if you... and um, if you read the, the story, the, the nation of Israel was, in fact, come, they did come back to the city. The, the city was rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt, as Ezekiel said, but not to the grand scale of the measurements and the design that God had given them because Ezekiel wasn't just talking about a city that was on earth. Ezekiel was talking about a future city called the New Jerusalem, and that's in, a, that's in the book of Revelation. And um, the parallel is almost exactly, if you read the account and the vision that God had given Ezekiel, and you go back and look at the vision that God had given John in the book of Revelation, they're almost, they're almost identical. And you got to remember, these things were written thousands of years apart. These men didn't even know each other, and, the, and these things are written. But look, look at this in Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I did not see a temple in that city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will, there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Here, John has given us a picture of the New Jerusalem, which really is the eternal place or the eternal home for us, God's church. That's a description of, of our eternal being, our, our eternal resting place, the, the, the new Jerusalem. But notice what, 
what, what John gets in his revelation here, it says, it says, I did not see a temple because the Lord and the Lamb are the temple. And he said, I did not see the sun or the moon because God himself will give its light. What John was giving us here is a picture of what Ezekiel saw in his vision that God is Jehovah Shammah, God is there. In other words, there is no temple, there is no sun, there is no moon, God is there. And when God, God, in other words, God is going to be everything we need at that moment. There'll be, there'll be no, no more death, no more pain, the Bible says. No more crying. God will be in the very presence. God will be for us. Jehovah Shammah, God is there. Isn't that, isn't that so encouraging that God, that God is there for us? But that is not just a future event for us. God is Jehovah Shammah today. God is, is my Jehovah Shammah today, and he's your Jehovah Shammah if you allow him to be. Hebrews 13 says, keep your, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So the first thing I want to look at here this morning is God will never abandon you. God, God will never abandon you. See, Ezekiel's vision was a promise of hope. Israel deserved to be taken captive into Babylon. That's what they deserved. Time and time again, God had told them this was going to be the consequence of their rebellion. Yet they didn't listen. But the Bible says in spite of what Israel had gotten that they deserved, God was still going to come back and God was going to restore them. That God would still be Jehovah Shammah. He will be there for them. And that, that's what God is for you today. See, even in our rebellion, the Lord has not forsaken us. See, someone can say, well, you know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've strayed from God. I'm here to tell you the Bible says that God's arm is not too short that he cannot save you. God sees where you're at. And you can never, you can never hide from God. You can't run from God. God sees your situation. God knows who you are. And God is still pursuing you. God has not abandoned you. I promise you, God, God, God has not abandoned you. Doesn't matter how far we go from God. And that, that story of the prodigal son, and y'all, y'all know the story in the, in the book of Luke, the, the, the man had two sons, and the, the, the Bible says that, that the younger son said that he wanted to get his inheritance early, that he wanted to go out and experience life. And so he left the father's home, the Bible says, and the prodigal son, the Bible says, went into a distant country. And what did he do? He spent all his inheritance living in wild, just wild living, prostitutes, all of that. He did all of those things. But then the Bible says he came to his senses. You know where he was when he came to his senses? He was in the pig's pen. And then he began to realize, you know what? Even the servants, the, the slaves, the servants at my father's house, even the servants have it better than me, and I'm a son. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll get up. I'll go back. See, that's repentance. That's a picture of repentance. He got up. He recognized I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. I turn, he turned around, and he goes, I'm going to go back to the father and say, Father, you know what? The best that I can hope you'll ever do for me is just allow me to be one of your servants. But what does the Bible say? Look in Luke 15, 20. It says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord was there waiting for the son to come back. And that's Jehovah Shammah in your life. No matter how far you've gone, no matter... What's happened in your life, no matter what kind of distance you think that is going between you and God, I'm here to tell you God is right there. God is Jehovah Shammah for you in your life. God, is, God, God will never abandon you. 
We, we abandon God sometimes. We, we walk away from God. We make the decision, God, I don't want to serve you anymore. But even then, just like Israel, God is waiting. God is waiting to reconcile and waiting, waiting to, to restore us. See, the Bible says that the Lord is an ever-present help in time of need. Don't you love that? See, in, in other words, God is right there. And the Bible says he is near to us as the words on your tongue. And that's where that scripture comes in Romans, that if you can just confess, God, God is right there. So, so the Bible tells us that God, that God is an ever-present God, that he's right there with us. Doesn't matter how dark um, the road gets for us, God's promise is that he is Jehovah Shammah. He is present in your life and in your circumstance. The next thing I want to look at here is 1 John 4, 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The next thing I want us to see is God is with us. And the Bible says in Romans that, that God is with you. He's not against you. He says, if God is with us, who can be against us? So think about that. If God is on my side, then what army, what devil, what, what demon, what, what source can come against me if God is on, if I'm partnering with, with Jehovah? Nobody, nobody can come against us, the Bible says. But see, God is with us. That's taken, and a lot of times we only study this or talk about this in Christmas. But in, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets prophesied of the coming of the Messiah. And one of the names they gave the Messiah was Emmanuel. Do you remember what that means? God with us. See, God, God, God with us, the Bible says. So, so that right there, if Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, then that tells me that God is not the God upstairs. God is the God downstairs. God's a, God's a downstairs God. He ain't an upstairs God. He's with us. See, so that, that, that cancels that argument. See, and that's what the devil does. He brings deception into someone's world, and he tries to get them to think that God doesn't care about them. That God's this way distant religious figure way up in the sky, and I'm little on me sitting in the world, and God could care less about me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God is with us. God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. He was God, the Bible says. And what did Jesus do? He walked among men. The Son of God left heaven, the Bible says, and, and dwelt among men, the Bible says. Jesus Jesus was with us. So um, that's the presence and power living inside of us. The Bible says when Jesus left, what did he leave the church? He left us the power of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God where? Jesus, Jesus said that, that there was going to be a time when that I was, was going to be with you, but then he said, when I go, the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that Holy Spirit... The presence of God in us. God is with us. Jehovah Shammah is there. God, God is dwelling. God is dwelling in us. He is dwelling with believers. See, that's 24-7. That's not just when things are going good. God is with you at every turn, every moment, every moment of your life. He's with you in sickness and in health. He's with you in the good times and the bad times. God is with us. In Psalm 139, I love this. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. If I, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And I love what that says there. It says, if, if I make, it says, where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you were there. You were Jehovah Shammah. See, you were there. God, your, your, presence, your, your presence is with us. Let's let that encourage you today. See, this is the, this is the truth of what the Word of God says. This is, this is the truth of who Jesus Christ is for us. He's our shepherd. He's, a, he's all we need. And then in Romans 8, 28, most of us know the Scripture. And we know, that all, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. The next thing I want, to see, want us to see here is God is working in all things. God is Jehovah Shammah in all things. He, he is there in every, in every situation. And, you know, a lot of times we, we are confronted with things in our life when they don't make sense. And we question, does God really care about me? Does God love me? Yes, he does. God is right there standing next to you, with you. And, and, and we know the story of Job. Y'all know the story of Job that the Bible says that he was a man who honored God. He loved the Lord. And the Bible gave Satan permission to take everything away from Job except, except his life. But what did Job do? He never cursed God. He held, he held fast to God because Job understood that God was still with him, even in the midst of something that he, that he, didn't, that he didn't understand. God is working in every situation in your life. I don't know what you've been through in here, what you're facing today. It might be dark. It might seem confusing. It might be like it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I'm here to tell you, even in that situation, God is Jehovah Shammah. And you'll, he's there. God is with you. And the Bible says that he is standing at the door and he's knocking. He's just knocking at the door. He's not, gonna, he's not an intruder. He's not going to force his way in. But he's standing at the door and the Bible says he's knocking. And what is he doing? He's waiting for you just to open up your heart. Like these did today. They said, they said Jesus, I want, I want you to come in. I, I need you. That's really what, what, we, what we're praying when we, when we confess Christ is we're we're praying that we need Jesus. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. See, God, see, that's the lie of the devil and the world, that God, not only does God hate us, but God doesn't want a relationship with us. He doesn't have time for us. God is madly in love with you. <laughs> he wants a relationship with you. He loves you so much so that he allowed his son to suffer and to die, that you and I might be forgiven. Praise God. I'm just going to ask Eli, if you would, just to begin to play that music in the background. And, um, you know, I, um, I don't know why I do this sometimes, but every, a lot of times when I prepare a, um, a message, of, and this is going back to like the 70s, and a song will come into my mind that I knew back in the 70s. And um, Ava and Emmy's real good. Ava and Emmy always want to know how Papa gets all these songs in his head. And I said, I always tell them, I say, Papa can't help it. They stuck in his head. And I said, the only way that Popo can get them out is he's got to sing them. You know, and they get, when they were little, it was fun, but now they're getting older, it's getting old. And the more it aggravates them, the more I do it, and it's probably not right to do that. But um, that's something that Popo's can do. 
But this is a song that came to my head, and it's old music, but the lyrics are amazing. And y'all probably never heard of this guy before, but you can Google him if you remember to do this. But you probably won't remember. But if you do, I'm going to give you his name. His name is Lonel Harris, and uh, it's got some really good music. But he, he he sang a song called "In It After All," and I thought the lyrics of this song were appropriate for this message. It says so you were in it after all. All of those moments I spent crying, and something inside of me was dying. I didn't know that you heard me each time I call. You had a reason for those trials. It seemed I got stronger every mile. Now I know you were in it after all. We're always ready, Lord, to take the glory, but we're seldom willing to endure the pain. You were with me when the sun was shining, and you were still beside me when it rained. So you were in it after all, taking the blows that I can get. Mending the wounds that I needed mending, I didn't know that you heard me each time I call. I guess it's easy now to see. I don't know how I could have missed it, Jesus, but you were in it after all. And now I know you were in it after all. God is in it after all. Jehovah Shammah is there. God is in this very room. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, God is there. We got way more than just two or three in this room. Jehovah Shammah is in the room today, and thank you, Jesus. He's there for us. God is an ever-present help in time of need. Aren't you thankful? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can stand up, please.